Excuse me, who are you? Excuse me, who are you? Five seconds. Four. Three. Hello everyone, welcome to Kill the Cast. My name is Jerry, and with me is the Silent Hill biker himself, Kenneth. Yay! We are all excited. Jay could unfortunately not make this episode, but he gave us the blessing to go ahead and record this. So, today we're getting into anime double feature. But before we get into that, Kenneth, how has your week been? Uh, It's been alright. You know, just... Got a lot, a lot of personal stuff going on, but uh, other than that, it's pretty good. Uh, I fought with myself whether I want to go see *Birth of the Dragon* or not. That new Bruce Lee movie, well, movie based on Bruce Lee. Oh yeah, where he like fights his old master or some shit. I saw some trailer for it. I think it's like another one of those how he got, you know, one of those come up videos or something. I, I, yeah, but it's literally like his old master is pissed that he's teaching white people. Like martial arts, that's I what know. I gathered. I don't know, but I, I I wanted to go see it, and then I was just like, I I really got to thinking about it, and I was like, man, I'll just I'll just fucking wait on this shit to come out on Blu-ray because I'll probably buy it anyway, so I might as well just wait on it to come out on Blu-ray. Yeah, plus they had, it's so hard for me to get to the theaters nowadays. Like, I almost have to like schedule the day off to go see a fucking movie. Like, I just requested off like. To go see uh, the Suspiria when it can't when it comes back in theaters, I was like, "Fuck it, let me go ahead and put this request off so I can go see that." But like, because I, I I didn't see Spider Man Homecoming, I wanted to. I didn't see the new Planet of the Apes movie like I wanted to. There was a hell. I ain't even seen the second new Planet of the Apes. Oh, I've only seen the first one with James Franco in it. It's good. I, I think the I like the second one better than the first one, and I have a feeling I'm gonna like the third one even more than the second one. Well, see, you've got the second one on your Voodoo, and you don't have the first one. And I want to watch because I only watched the first one once. So I want to watch the first one before I watch the second one to kind of revamp. Oh yeah, and I, don't I, think I, I just own don't. The first one. You don't, and I just don't feel like you wasting my Voodoo credit yeah. to to watch that. I'd rather watch something else. Yeah, I know. I remember I bought the second one when it came out on Blu-ray because I had finally watched the first one, but I had never, and I watched the first one. I think Reese might have a DVD of it or something, because I'm pretty sure I watched it because of her. I'm not sure. Well, she's got yeah. Check and see, because if she does, just rip it for me yeah. so that way I can watch it. I um, mean, not but rip got... it. Send it to him legally through the mail because there's a difference. Whatever. And uh, <laughs> that was but, for um, the NSA. Yeah. But uh, they've got this cool at Walmart. I saw it. I don't know if you've seen it, but they got a cool box set of the original ones, like a collector's edition oh, box I have set that. of the original. Do you? Yeah, I have that on Blu-ray. Did you get? Did it come with digital copies? Not if it's the same one I have, which is like in a red and tan box. Yeah, yeah. yeah they just put it out recently because the new movie came oh, out. Oh no, I've had mine for two, three years. Okay, they just put out a new, a, a newer version of it. Ah, uh, okay. That because the new movie was coming out, like if you bought it, you got a movie ticket for the new one. Oh uh, yeah, it might just be reprinting or reprinting of the old one or old stock they just rewrapped and put out. Maybe, well, but, but if if that were the case, it wouldn't have a movie ticket for the new movie yet. Well, it would if they rewrapped it. Well, that's true. So, all right. Well, that's dope. I've um, what have I been? I've been listening to um. I went through and I listened to a bunch of new podcasts that I had never listened to to uh, try to see if there's some more stuff out there that I haven't hit. Um, 
I did this interesting one called The Witch versus the Doomsday Clock, which are like 25 minute long podcast. And it's just him kind of reviewing one movie, but it's more like him. It's all set in this like world, like world that's already been destroyed. It's like a like he like he calls it like the found footage version of podcast, and it's very interesting. I ran through like two or three episodes of that, and it was really cool. But I will say you do need to kind of see the movie he's talking about before he reviews it because he doesn't really review it as much as like ask a bunch of questions that are slightly making fun of the movie. And that was pretty good. I listened to the Hail Ming Power Hour. Um, and I listened to Nightbreed, their version of Nightbreed, which was really good, and it makes me want to watch, go back and watch Nightbreed again to catch some of the stuff they were talking about that I clearly missed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to do with that movie. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, I have been listening to a shit ton of the podcast Under the Stairs, specifically the Baz V Horror series. Now, Kenneth, this series is actually really good. It would be like if you and I got together and took a buddy that we have that does not watch horror and started making him watch horror and review it, but he's Scottish and he goes on some of the greatest rants in the world. It is some of the funniest shit. Like, I, like they just did um, a Takashi Miike episode and he had to watch One Miss Call and Audition. Nice. And, yeah, and it would, dude, it was fantastic uh you have duncan mcleish who was the main host of podcast on the stairs and uh the bass who is the guy who has not watched a lot of horror and they've been doing this for like two three years now so he's starting to get a little bit more versed in horror but still some of the shit he says in in the review of audition is some of the funniest fucking things i've ever heard i'm always just dying laughing listening to that so listeners check out the podcast on the stairs check out the bass v horror episodes because Holy shit, are they fantastic. Um, And that's pretty much all I've been doing. I ordered a bunch of Japanese movies again. So there's that, but they haven't come in yet. Um, So that's all I've been doing. So with that said, we got... we Today is uh, Sunday, uh, August 27th. And uh, Kenneth, we woke up to some really sad news. It seems that uh, Toby Hooper has died. Sucks. And the first thing I thought, because I don't know if you remember this, like, less than a month ago, he was in the news because, like, his girlfriend or something was beating him. Like, he had to call the cops on his girlfriend for hitting him. And I was like, oh, shit, she fucking killed him. But that does not seem to be the case. No, but the article that I read, it said that, uh, it didn't say, it said that the causes of death were not known. I don't know if you read a different one that they were there. No, but if it would have been like murder, I'm pretty sure yeah, they would have been all over the place. Yeah, they would have been like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre director gets a chainsaw to his yeah. life. Yeah, it would have been some shit like that. And then the media would have took it and, and, you know, used that against horror movies and all this other kind of bullshit. Yeah. So they would have just spiraled in a whole bunch of fucking propaganda. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, it sucks, man, because it's like, like I was telling you when we when we kind of text back and forth before we started doing the podcast, it's like we're just kind of we're watching all of our all all of our greats just kind of drop off, and, and and it sucks, but you know, it's reality because all of our greats are shit, you know, really pushing the limits of age. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, Wes Craven and George Romero and Toby Hooper and and others that I haven't named. So you know, I mean, it's just. 
and it, it's, it's sad. And it's like I told you in text. I was like, once they hit seventy, it's just a waiting game. Right, and it's sad, man, because you, you know, while granted nowadays a lot of people are making good stuff, you know, and, and, and you know, I give credit to a lot of these young guys that are coming out and making good movies. You know, it it's still not the same to me just because that the, these guys that are dropping off are the ones that I grew up with. You know, I mean, I'll still give credit to the new ones, but, you know, I mean, and then on top of that, you think about some of these other directors that, you know, they've already put out that they're wanting to do this and they're wanting to do that. Like, uh, like Ridley Scott, man, look at how far he's wanting to go with the alien movies. It would suck if he died right in the middle of that. Yeah. Cause the same thing with, uh, George R. R. Martin and writing Game of Thrones, like, like, dude, you're not in that great of health. You need to get on this. In fact, we, can someone just find the 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 secret to immortality so we can at least get john carpenter and stephen king protected right yeah because once that goes man i mean that's just i mean i'm sorry i mean i think the 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 people that are the founders of horror for what we know it know it is today are leaving us yeah, you know, the, the, it's, it's like the it's like the it's like we're starting it's starting to become to where you know we're paying homage to our ancestors in this genre. Yeah, because the seventies really felt like the birth of the modern era right. of horror, and that's and so the the late seventies, early eighties, where a lot of these greats like came about, and and unfortunately, yeah, it's time for them to go. It's knocking on death's door. I'm shit. I'm still surprised Stan Lee's still kicking. I don't think he's ever gonna go. I, I mean, I don't know. His his wife just died um, a little yeah, bit ago. Yeah, but, yeah, but still, I mean, you got, I mean, you take him and Hugh Hefner, man. I mean, shit. That's true. I don't know, but, so, Kenneth, what's, uh, besides Texas Chainsaw Massacre, besides that classic, what's your favorite, like, Toby Hooper movie? You know, I would have to go and I would have to say it'd probably be Poltergeist, but at the same time, I don't know whether he really directed Poltergeist oh, or whether it was Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg directed it. There there was an article that came out not too long ago where they where it was finally like said Steven Spielberg directed it because he couldn't direct it because of some director's guild strike or some shit. And so Toby Hooper was brought on, but Toby Hooper knew what was going on and, and let Stephen King direct it. And Toby Hooper pretty much just sat back and he did work on the film, but he got paid a lot of money to let Stephen King do it. I'm mean, not Stephen King, Stephen Spielberg. Yeah, that's what I'm. So that used to be, you know, my my second. And then, you know, after I after I heard that, I was just like, well, you know. And so going going past that. I would probably have to say I enjoyed The Mangler. Did you ever watch The Mangler? No, I haven't, but I did just hear someone talking about that movie. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. That one was pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm one of those people that actually f- had fun with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too. You know, I, I, I'm not one of those people that will sit there and completely fucking dog it. Um, did you ever see Mortuary? No, I haven't seen that either. That one was good. I didn't really care for Toolbox Murders too much. And then uh, I can't really remember any of the others. So mine's definitely Salem's Lot. I love the story of Salem's Lot. I love the book. And I think his adaption was actually pretty good. A little slow, 
but but still really really good. Um, and I watched his movie last year, um, Eaten Alive, which is not a good name for that movie because the alligator does not do as much as you would think. But it's still a, a fun movie, but it's not as good as I thought. And I started to think about it, and I'm like, you know what? He, besides Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I feel like most of everything else he's done is is pretty mediocre. Well, is, I think I think a couple of them didn't get the credit that it was due. Like like I said, Mortuary was pretty good. You, you know, you should watch that if you ever get a chance. But that but you know, it didn't it didn't. I I've, I've, I honestly think that what happened is when Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 came out and it didn't have it while it still had popularity it didn't have it didn't have the the kick that the first one had you know because all the all the humor that was in the first one was in my, in my opinion more subliminal than it was right out in your face yes you know versus uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 where the humor was literally in your face. Yeah, it felt like a parody. Right. It, it, it felt like a parody of itself. So, you know, I, and I honestly think that's what did him in. I think that's what did him in. If, he, if, if he'd made the second one with hiding the humor like he did in the first one. So, you know, because when you go back and you watch it and you watch the first one, the common everyday person is not going to find the humor that sickos like we are would find in that movie. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You um, know, and I think that's the reason why it did so well. And it's known as one of the scariest movies of all time is because, you know, the common everyday audience did not find that movie funny. Yeah. And I also want to say like the original text chainsaw massacre, like it, the art of that movie is so good like how raw that movie is is fantastic like just the aesthetic of that movie is absolutely wonderful because i love the aesthetic of some of these older especially in the 70s with like last house on left and the hills have eyes like they have the same kind of aesthetic that texas chainsaw massacre has where everything looks so raw that it's just fantastic Right, and I think I think in that movie, Toby, Toby Hooper's uh, camera angles were really, really good. Um, the way he went about it, the way to tr- that he tried to narrate the feeling of the victims, uh, I thought was really good. And and so, and then I also think that on top of that, I mean, you got the product of the times with that particular movie and others that are like that, like you were saying. I mean, that grainy look, you know, when you the cameras that they had and things like that. I mean, you really couldn't you really couldn't do the things that you do now where you can get into the editing room and you can completely change the tone of the movie with a few for a few clicks of the mouse. You know, versus back then, you know, everything had to be raw because it was. Yeah, there was there wasn't that much you could fix in post production. Right. Versus, you know, like big time movies that had big money back in the back in the 70s, you know, the early 70s or whatever. They could utilize the the money that they had to create the ambiance like The Exorcist or something like that, where they could create the atmosphere versus a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that was really low budget. So the only thing they could do is throw shit in there in the, uh, you know, in the set and whatever to make it look more creepy. But the camera itself made it look like this was in reality. 
And I and and to me, that's that's almost the reason why me and you've had that conversation before of why Ash versus Evil Dead does not appeal to me as much as the old school Evil Dead movies. Yeah, is because is because the new one looks too clean and crisp. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And it, it, it doesn't have the same feel to me that the originals did because the originals were so grainy and, and, and everything. And that's the reason why I don't dig it. And, I mean, it's still a good show and it's funny to watch. And I mean, it's it's amazing having Ash having Ash back at it again. But the point is, is that it's it doesn't give me that same, you know, that that the original ones did. And it goes the same way with other movies that came out during that time period. It doesn't give me the same feeling as those do. And I also think that's part of the reason why these guys are so – these guys that we're watching drop off have have such a foothold in horror history because like we've talked about like with uh, Toby Hooper or, 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 or Wes Craven or, or John Carpenter or all these, you look at all these great movies that started the genre and the reason why they did is because they were so helmed in realism. Yeah, no, I agree. They they, they Not only did a lot of them start like if you look at – Take Chainsaw Massacre and Last House on the Left and um, like Halloween, they have an air of realism to them. They have that rawness, that graininess you were talking about. And they were writing the tropes that would become what the future generation used that we would eventually be like, oh, that's cliche. They were creating them. Right. And, and so, so- it, just, it just made a wonderful thing and – it was a perfect time in cinema history for these guys to be doing what they were doing. Yes, 100% agree. And we lost Toby Hooper today. Uh, who knows who's next? But we'll always have their legacies because we'll always be able to put on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's right. I have the Steelbook Special Edition. Uh, I've got I've got one of the one of the Blu-ray versions. There's multiple Blu-ray versions, but um, it's fantastic. I love watching that movie because it's just it's so good. It doesn't that movie never feels boring to me. It always like is interesting to look at. So, with that being said, we're gonna say goodbye, Toby Hooper, and we are gonna move on into our next segment, which is Kenneth. We're doing uh, a double anime feature. One of the few. This is probably like the first time we reviewed. No, we reviewed two movies once. We did The Prowler and The Witch. But The Witch was more of a conversation than a review. But nonetheless, we're doing two movies. We're doing Wicked City and Perfect Blue. And we chose these two movies because we wanted to show... uh, A lot of horror fans do not watch anime for multiple reasons. Either they don't like cartoons, they think it's kid stuff, they think it's, uh, you know, magical girl or guy is going to be the very best fighter he possibly can be while being lazy or some shit storyline like that and we're here to tell you that's not always true there are there's anime horror out there that is beyond fantastic and tonight we're going to tackle two of those we're going to tackle wicked city which is more along the lines of your uh creature feature monster horror movie so to speak and we're going to tackle, tackle Perfect Blue, which is a deep psychological uh, thriller. And with that, I, I want to say, if you've never watched anime, I dropped links to these in the Kill the Cast Facebook group so you could download and watch them. They are also both on YouTube currently at this uh, moment, and you can watch them on there. 
And they do have English dubs on YouTube for those of you out there that don't like watching stuff with subtitles. Yeah, and I will say uh, Perfect Blue is... is I prefer the dub to that one just because there's so much going on that you really need to be paying attention. As where Wicked City... I prefer a dub on that also just because I want to. it's a popcorn film. I want to sit back, kick back, and just watch shit go down. Right. And and when it comes down to it, I mean, me, I'm one of those people where I have to be in the mood to sit and read a movie. Yes. Very you know, much so. Uh, it's not that I don't like watching movies that are subtitled. That doesn't bother me at all. I've watched many a movie that is subtitled. But the point is, is that sometimes you just... You, you, you just, like Jerry said, just want to sit back and look at the TV and not have to worry about going down to the bottom and then back up, down to the bottom and then back up. But I did find out that when I was watching Wicked City, it's subtitled. I found out that on the PlayStation, you can customize your closed captioning on the PS4. Really? That's interesting. Yeah, like I changed the color, the font. Um, I changed the background color for when it pops up, everything. Well, that file is a, is an MKV file, and a lot of MKV files, the ones that can be read by uh, things, because some of them won't play on certain things, uh, the MKV files can be uh, that, like, multiple, some of them will have multiple different subtitles, so you can go from English to French or Spanish or something like that. Um, it's one of the preferred formats on a computer, and when downloading shit, it just doesn't always translate as well to a PlayStation. But I thought it was cool that my PS4 would let me completely customize the subtitles. That is actually pretty dope. So, uh, Kenneth, what other what are what are reasons that you actually like anime? Uh, okay, so do do we want to stick with you know your uh, quote unquote mainstream anime, or do you want me to um, just go out on all anime? Go out on your feelings on anime. Really let loose. Really, really put it right on the face. Okay, when it comes to anime. I prefer the most violence and the most nudity as possible. That That is, I mean, because when you're watching these and things like that, there are some of them out there that are just, and as much nudity and as much, and as much violence as I want in an anime, there are some of them out there where I'm just like, okay, this is a little too much. Because there are some of them out there that are just fucking brutal. But, you know... Just sticking with anime before you get into Gortai and Hentai and all that stuff. Just sticking with anime. I try to. I like the ones that are really, really violent. I'm not a big fan of Sailor Moon or any of the rest of that. I'm not a big fan of, uh, even though you've tried to get me into Gundam, I'm not a big fan of Gundam. It ain't my thing. I absolutely fucking hate Bleach. Bleach is uh, goddamn awful. I watch, I'll give anything like a full season try. And after a full season, I'm either in or I'm out. And at the end of Bleach, I was just like, y'all wasted so much of my fucking time. Right. I fucking hate that show. I do not understand why people like it. But then again, on the other hand, I mean, there are other mainstream animes that I really, really dig. Like, I fucking love Dragon Ball Z. Yes, that's right. I think it's because we grew up on Dragon Ball Z because I went back and watched it. And if I took nostalgia out of it, some of those storylines are just so fucking lazy. That's true. But yes, people out there who are listening heard it right. Silent Hill Biker is a nerd for Dragon Ball Z. But He's yes, a nerd for balls also. Yeah. But I like Dragon Ball Z. I like um I've watched a few episodes of Naruto and some of it is okay. Um what's the what's I can't one of the get other into Naruto, big ones? like how are you gonna be a ninja and wear bright hunter orange? 
The fuck does that you ever make seen sense? American Ninja Four? Uh, no, does it have Chuck Norris in it? No, it doesn't have Chuck Norris in it, but it does have ninjas in yellow, uh, orange. What is this? Three ninjas kick back? Jesus Christ! You just gotta watch it. It's cool. But uh, what's what's the other big one? Uh, the other big one that's on TV that everybody goes ape shit for. Uh, uh, currently, it's the, One Punch Man, but I haven't watched any of that. Um, uh, I, I, I dig the Airbender ones. Oh, Avatar. Uh, well, that's not. That's American. It's not. But no, what's the what's the other one? The other big one, blonde kid with a fucking ponytail, runs around. Oh, Full Metal uh, Alchemist. That one, I dig Full Metal Alchemist. That one's pretty cool to watch. And then when you get into the movies, man, fucking one of the biggest ones of all time. Fucking Ninja Scroll. Ninja I knew Scroll you were going to say that. Amazing. Ninja Scroll was fucking amazing. You know, I mean, there's nothing but violence and fucking nudity all through that. And then the Ninja Resurrection series that came out that's got the same kind of feel as Ninja Scroll. That was fucking awesome. Uh, those were amazing. Same thing. I mean, when you see a guy that's fucking whooping somebody else's ass with his own guts. I mean, how, how can you go wrong with that? And then the one of the biggest pivotal fucking animes to ever come out was fucking Vampire Hunter D. And I, you know me, I'm a big, big fan of Vampire Hunter D. Uh, in fact, the guy who wrote Vampire Hunter D is the guy who wrote Wicked City. It's based off another series of books that he did. Um, and it, it was based off the first book in the series he did. Um, so, obviously, I mean, and that's why I like it. Yeah, and then there are other, like, the fantasy-type ones. I dig some of the fantasy-type ones. Like, The Record of Lotus Wars, I fucking love those. And those, that might as well be fucking Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Uh, but I love those. And then what's that one that you really, really fucking like watching? Berserk. Uh, yeah, yeah. Berserk. I, check, I still need oh. to check that Here, out. Okay, here's the thing. And you can watch all of Berserk on YouTube. There's, like, a high-definition version of Berserk English dub on YouTube, and it's fantastic. Um... I fucking love Berserk. If the if you want like one of the best mangas ever written that's still ongoing, you gotta watch it. You gotta read the manga, and it has some of the most fucked up like shit ever. Berserk is like a medieval. It's like a medieval series, and if you like medieval battles and you like sword fights and you like really really dark shit. Berserk is for you. Whether you read the manga, watch the original anime, which was like one season of 25 episodes, you watch the three movies, which are a retelling of that first series, or you watch the new anime that honestly looks terrible, but the story's still good, Berserk is fucking fantastic. Uh, And I also like some of the the cyberpunk stuff, like Ghost in the Shell is one of my all-time favorite series in the world. You've got Akira. Akira's fantastic. I made JP watch Akira. I love Akira. Um, and then some of the, even some of the other ones. You got like Trigun and Cowboy Bebop. No, I'm not a big fan of either one of those. But I had oh, to each man. Down. I think Trigun. Did you finish all of Trigun, or did you only get like six, eight episodes in? Yeah, I, I didn't dig it at all. Yeah, because like I feel like Trigun has a like huge tone shift in the middle of the series. I liked Afro Samurai. Afro Samurai is pretty fun. Uh, I do like the Gundam series because I like um, I like uh, war politics, and you get a lot of war politics in some of the Gundams. Some are just like pure love stories, and some have like war politics, like OA, the mess team, um, and Gundam Double O, shit like that. But 
there is stuff in anime for you. There are very serious movies. If you like, like if you're like Kenneth, you want violence and nudity. You've got Twilight of the Dark Master. You've got Bio Hunter. Um, Bible Black. Bible Black is a hentai, sir. That it's doesn't still count. good though. <laughs> Next year, I'd be it's like, I also good. like La Blue Girl. Um, because ninjas who use sex as their way of fighting is the only true mastery. You know, when it really comes down to it, if I look back on it, I just, the blue girl is too tame for me. The blue girl's too tame for you? <laughs> it really is. I mean, if we start getting into hentai and stuff, that's just too tame for me. I like the tentacles and the demons and all yeah. that shit. Uh, that's and, my thing. And then we have, like, one of my favorite, most goddamn depressing series ever made neon genesis evangelion uh i was watching some of it today and i was like telling kenneth i'm about to just go kill myself instead of recording because there's obviously no reason to live life um but i I mean but absolutely like i was telling you when you were saying that you know that's one of the issues that i think a lot of things that come out of japan have and i'm not just talking about anime i'm talking about movies too yeah they have a whole goddamn forest for suicide right i mean some of these movies and i watched that movie too and i actually enjoyed it but uh, yeah i actually enjoyed it but the thing about it was man and i I mean the thing about it is when you're watching some of this shit i mean it's just like come on people i mean i don't want to at the end of the movie at the end of the movie i want to feel bad about the person in the movie killing themselves i don't want to do it myself yeah, then Evangelion will just sit there and make you go, you know what? Fuck it. I'm done. Game over. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I want to get back into that series, but, you know, I mean, I mean it's just so long and so drawn out. And it's like, you know, that's the reason why I'm really considering getting on Dragon Ball Z Kai, because it's been shortened. Yeah, Dragon Ball Z Kai is actually a, a better way to go through it. Um, and then, like, if you're going to do Evangelion, you can do the Rebuild series. Uh, which the first three movies are out, and the fourth one, uh, which is supposed to be the last one, got pro- postponed because Hideki Anno, who's the creator of Evangelion, had to go do Shin Godzilla. Good stuff. So, Shin Godzilla was yeah. fucking amazing. You no, know, we should do a whole series called America Fucks Japan, and we just take, like, either Japanese... We take American remakes of Japanese movies, or, like, movies like... Um, fucking the forest that take a huge like Japanese thing and turn it American. Yeah. We can talk about the ones that are actually good and the ones that really, really suck. Yeah. We can all oh, dude, It'd be great. We can do uh, and almost like a horror Coliseum where we do uh, like the Japanese version of the film and the American version of the film and compare them. Well, then you got those ones that are like shot for shot. Have we you had know, an American uh, remake of a Japanese movie that's shot for shot? Yeah, the ones that are done by the Japanese guy that did the Japanese version. Oh, for like, oh yeah, because the gr- guy who did the Grudge to like he yeah. did the American remake. Uh huh. Yeah, that was genius. <laughs> it's damn near shot for shot the same fucking movie. Yeah, because I want to compare like Pulse to Cairo, really bad. I think the one for the Ring would be pretty cool to do too. Yeah, I want to do that one also. We can call Dave Z in. He's all about those fucking grudge yeah. in the ring and shit. Ringo! Yeah, sometimes I actually prefer the, ja- I prefer the Japanese movie. I, I think generally most people are going to, but it'd be interesting to see, like, if we would be, like, completely pass on the American. Uh, it's watchable, it does its own thing, or if it got better than the the original. 
I guess that'd be one of those things that we'd have to find out. But then again, you know, you got your you got your other animes that come out that aren't all fucking. They have a really really good story to them, and they're not all slap full of violence like what I like. Like uh, uh, Princess Mononoke was pretty good. Oh yeah, a lot of your Studio Ghibli films are going to be fantastic. Uh, some of them what are was, a little bit more kid friendly. What was the other one? The other one that was really good. Spirited that, Away. Yeah, that one. That one was pretty good too, man. I actually enjoyed that. And uh, there was another one that came out that was really, really popular. Was it Rocket Boy or something? Uh, Rocket Boy. The fuck, are you talking about? Something like that. It was. It, it was kind of popular. It was more. It was a lot more kid friendly though. But that one was pretty good. Come on, Astro Boy, like the old cart, the old anime. Are you talking about that? May be new? it. I mean, Astro Boy it. was, like, straight up, like, black and white anime. It's I can't old. remember. But, yeah, nonetheless, like, there are good things in anime, and we're just saying don't throw it aside just because of your your the, the pre-thought notions you have towards it because there is something in there for you to watch. Right. Just because it's animated doesn't mean anything. In, in the anime genre has every other genre inside of it yes and you know, if you like japanese if you like japanese horror movies then there are some japanese animes for you straight up like uh i know the the american live action death note just came on netflix um mm-hmm. which, which i can't wait to watch um because i'm a huge fan of the director and even though it's getting a lot of bad reviews I, I'm more not worried about how he did the story, but how he directed it. I'm where I'm more interested in how he filmed because he's doing Godzilla versus King Kong. Interesting. So, I'm I still need to watch that new Kong movie. Really good, but like uh, Death Note is a is a is a fantastic manga. It's a decent anime, and the two Japanese live action movies, which were directed by the same guy who did Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, uh, all monsters. Uh, All Out Monster Attack. He did the Gamma Trilogy from the 90s. He was the special effects director for Shin uh, Godzilla. Those two live-action Japanese Death Note movies are fucking amazing. I love those two movies. So I'll be very interested where they take this because I really do like Death Note. So if you like like comics and you like horror, there is some great manga I can show you. If you like horror Japanese movie there's some great anime we can show you and we're hoping tonight that uh, you do check out the two we go and uh, I I say we get into Wicked City let's do it alright so Wicked City uh, also known as Supernatural Beast City uh, from 1987 is a Japanese neo-noir horror film produced by Madhouse which is one of the better um, studios over there Uh, it's based on the Black Guard series uh, which is six novels by Hideki... Hi, no, ah, fuck, okay. I'm terrible with Japanese names, so let me butcher this for all of y'all. Hideyuki Kikuchi, who <laughs> is uh, the same director, or not same director, but the same guy who wrote, like, Vampire Hunter D. Those are his books. Um, and this is also him directing it. And it is, I'm not, I'm not directing. What the fuck am I talking about? I am, this is why I can't do Japanese games because I mix them all up. This is the first directorial debut of Yoshiaki Karajiri, uh, who also wrote this, 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 he also wrote the story, the screen, he wrote the screenplay. 
So in this, we have uh, Taki, who is a black guard, which I guess is like uh, Japan's version of MIB, but they deal with this alternative dimension called the Black World. And humans of Black World people have coexisted by staying the fuck away from each other. But there's radicals in the Black World that want to come over and take over the world. And there is a big peace treaty signing coming up. And Taki, the Black Guard, along with a Black World Black Guard female named Maki, have to uh, bodyguard Giuseppe Maillard, who is an old perverted dude who I think Kenneth wants to grow up to be. Okay, why not? He's old, he's perverted, and he has some, he has, uh, he's very important. He's a very important motherfucker, apparently. Um, and this movie starts off with Taki at a bar, betting the bartender over what chicks he gets to bang. And he hooks up with this chick named Kanako, who turns out to be a fucking spider lady from <laughs> the black world, who he, he, he banged. And then she turned into a spider and her vagina tried to eat his dick. Yay. So right off the back, you're starting off with fucking Cronenberg-like body horror with a Japanese flip. Um, instead of a stomach vagina, you get a spider mouth vagina. Yeah, and she was wicked looking too. Yeah, that shit was fucking great. I remember when I first saw this because I saw this when I was... Uh, I don't know, like sixth grade. Yeah, I was pretty young when I saw it. The sixth too. grade, we we rented the VHS tape because um, it's anime. You know, it's for kids. No one ever looks at that. <laughs> and it was fucking balling as shit. It was it fucked me up. So that reminds me, did I tell you about when I was in uh, when I was in Ollie's and I was buying the Hellraiser comics? Did I tell you about what I said to the lady behind the counter? Oh yeah, that these shouldn't be with the kids' books. Yeah, they have all the Hellraiser, all the comics, all the graphic novels with the kids' books. And I'm and I went up there and I opened up the inside of it and I was like, "Now, granted, this is a great comic book." I was like, "I don't think you should be sh- letting kids look at this." No, fuck that. Yeah. Put it right next to the Minecraft books. Yeah, so I mean, you know, you got nudity and you got people walking around and they're nothing but muscle and shit like that and blood and guts. I was like, "Yeah." This probably ain't a good idea. Yeah, for real. Um, so, uh, after this, we find out Maki is, is uh, apparently an electronic salesman or some shit as cover-up job, which I'm like, Japan, why do you have to give him a cover-up job? He's already a goddamn secret agent. The fuck does he need a cover-up job for? Like, no, you actually kind of- have him at a desk answering calls. Well... I mean, they got to cover up everything, man. I mean, you know, the common public, we can't know about aliens and demon worlds and all kinds of other shit. You know what I'm saying? We're just sheep. Yeah, I I was just like, I don't understand why he has a salaryman job if he's goddamn fucking the demon version of Men in Black. So, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, so, basically, we get into the meat of the story, which is the treaty is about to be signed. It got pushed forward. Because some radicals from the dark world um, are coming over and fucking shit up. Did you explain the treaty? Uh, so the treaty is basically everyone getting together and being like, we're not going to fuck with each other. Yeah. And later on we get some more detail in it. But for right now it's literally we're going to get the 
Black World, Earth are going to get together and say, we're not going to fuck this shit up. And man, I would love another movie where we got to see more of what what's in the Black World. I agree. Like, I actually want to read the books, which I think, but I think only the first three ever came out here. Uh, just to see if I can get a little bit more into this Black World. So, uh, basically, every 500 years, the treaty has to be signed. Or no, this new treaty is going to push it to where it won't have to be signed, but every 500 years. So I have a much longer way to go through it. So he's got to go pick up Mayor, uh, Giuseppe Maillard. And as he arrives to the airport, some black guards show up. And we get a great fight, which when we get to see the black guards like, fight the, the radicals, it's fantastic. You've got a guy whose chest burst open. And his ribcage basically become teeth, which is going to be the name of my new band, Ribcage Become Teeth. <laughs> so everyone can fucking get on that. Um, you get that kind of shit. You got the guy who gets his head like shot off, but then it like straight up pulls a John Carpenter's the thing and grows tentacle and starts like fucking walking towards him. Yeah, that's what I actually that's what I thought about when I was watching that scene. I was like, this reminds me of the thing. Yeah, it was fucking amazing. I was just like, Jesus Christ, yes, I want more of this. Because, like, they've got just tentacles coming out of them and shit. Fantastic. And then we get um, our beautiful, beautiful black world lady, uh, Maki, who shows up. And her fingernails, which are bright and red and beautiful, can grow out and apparently are as strong and as sharp as the, like, greatest sword out there. Because she fucks them up. Yeah, she was pretty hot, too. Yes, she is very hot. She gets hotter even later on um, to make all of us feel weird. So, uh, they go inside the airport now that they've beaten all these motherfuckers, and they're waiting for Giuseppe Meyer to show up, and the airplane that he's supposed to be on blows the fuck up. And you're like, okay, roll credits, we're done. Um, But, no, Giuseppe Meyer knew this shit was going to happen, like some Final Destination shit, and took an earlier flight. Now we meet Giuseppe Maillard. He is an old-looking dude whose forehead looks like it's made out of wood. And... I always thought that it looked like horns were about to burst through his skin. Yeah, literally it does. Like, But it, it, just the way that like, the, it has those circles around those two bumps, it, look, it always reminded me of wood. Like knot holes? Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. Like knot holes. Um, and we meet Giuseppe Maillard and... This dude is literally the most perverted dude ever. He immediately is trying to have sex with Maki and is telling Taki about how sex with a black world woman is like paradise and how good their pussy tastes and shit. It is. It's so good that it sucks the life out of you. Yeah, and I'm over here just like, well, Taki knows. He already banged a black world chick. But yeah, and so that made me. I'd be down. Yeah. Well, that made me think that maybe the Black World chick did not have a. Um, was not giving. Like, maybe he didn't get the full experience because she was holding back because she was trying to pretend to be human. Like, if you have yeah. sex straight up with a Black World lady who, like, lets all the Black World shit happen, maybe then it's like that fuck till you die thing. Uh, maybe. I don't know, but it still sounds like fun. Yeah. This is what we consider fun on Kill the Cast fucking till you die. So, uh, if it's that good that it kills me, there's got to be something awesome about it. That is very true. Oh, also, by the way, Maki has a a, a cover job in here also. 
And it's that she is a model. Which I think is fucking hilarious because Men in Black 3? No, Men in Black 2 straight up stole this. Because the chick who shows up in Men in Black 2, she also... Or is it Men in Black 3? Which one's the one that had uh, Johnny Knoxville? I don't remember. Well, anyway, the one that had Johnny Knoxville, the main villain, that chick, she she says her job on Earth is to be a, a model. And they stole that from this. I just wanted to point that out. So well, it kind of remind it kind of makes me wonder when did this come out? Nineteen eighty-seven. It kind of makes me wonder if they didn't steal that whole scene of the head walking across the ground from John Carpenter. Maybe I'd have to see when um, when dude wrote uh, the novels because this is based off the first novel. I have to check it out because it may be the other way around. You never know. Because I'm well, sorry, that just that looked. That looked too much exactly like. Okay. Yeah, because so, even the eyeballs come out. Yeah. And they're on like planks, except these eyeballs have fucking mouths. Yeah, but still, you know, I mean, the similarities between the two of them are just uncanny. I mean, the head is walking, and the head is not straight up on either one. I think on, uh, was the head upside down in Wicked City? I don't remember, but I don't think it was. I think it was sideways. It wasn't yeah. straight up and down. And then you got uh, the head was upside down in uh, the thing. And then you got the eyeballs coming out of the tentacles and looking around. So the, the And then the other tentacles that it's walking on to make it look like spider legs. So it's kind of really similar, don't you think? Yes, I agree. Um, very, like so, I, I'd love to put a side-by-side side on those two. Yeah. Um, you should do that when we get done and then post it. Yeah, for real. Uh, I'm lazy though. So they go to this hotel where they have psychic barriers up. It's supposed to be safe. Giuseppe Maillard wants to go to a bathhouse so he can bang some broads. They won't let him. So now he's going to continue to keep trying to bang Maki. What did you think about the hotel though? I thought the hotel was cool because it was like this little like mansion looking thing. And it was completely surrounded by fucking skyscrapers. Yeah, I agree. I thought the aesthetic of it was was pretty boss. I loved it. And I love this guy that's running the hotel because he's just down there and he's like playing chess with Taki. And you don't suspect anything from him. But as soon as they like start the radical start breaking through the radical barrier, this motherfucker just drops a chain uh, knife whip out of his fucking sleeve. Everybody's got to be a badass in Japan, dude. Apparently, because he came by out swinging, but uh, unfortunately, the radicals kind of beat their asses. Uh, Taki gets shoved into a wall, and Hotel Dude loses his arm, but luckily it was his fake arm. Yeah, he lost his prosthetic. Yeah, exactly, and I was just like, okay. Uh, but the, the guy who's here from the Black World, the radical, his name is Jin, and he has Banshee-like powers, because he can apparently uh, scream like an 80s hair metal band to put you on your fucking knees. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, actually. Yeah, and uh, Jin is a, a Black World Radical, which is apparently the same as being, like, a nationalist. He basically believes that uh, hu- the human race are are nothing. The, the Black World race is far superior, and they deserve to have everything. Um, so he goes, after he beats their asses, he goes up and starts uh, fucking with Maki, and t- 
Turns out Maki and him used to be a thing. Which is funny because later on we find out that the 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 head of the Black Radicals, uh, Mr. Shadow, also was banging Maki. Maki was banging all the terrorists. Is what I've learned. She was a slut. She was a slut. Yeah, she is just fucking up. But she uses her hair because uh, Jin is all like going down on her, and she uses her hair to fucking grab him. And Taki shows up just in time to blow him away. And Myart, who was hiding in the bathroom, ran away. Now, Kenneth, one guess as to where Myart ran away to. Oh, yeah. We know where he went. He went Same to place that I goddamn bathhouse. And uh, while he's there getting rubbed down by a new chick and sucking on a titty, he uh, apparently swallows something and decides that it's okay to keep going. But I'm sorry, Kenneth, if you're sucking on a titty, okay, and you feel like you swallowed something, are you telling me you're going to keep going? Oh, no. Well, see, that's the thing about it. I mean, when I'm sucking on a titty, I don't try to put the whole titty in my mouth like he did. That's true. But, like, if I'm sucking on a soda and ice comes through the straw, I get all paranoid. Yeah, I'm with you there. So I'm like, fuck this nonsense. I'm fucking out. No, um, it would have been it would have been finger down the throat. I'm like, we're finna find out what this is. Yeah, exactly. I'm not doing that. Um... So he's get, but he continues his rub down, and apparently his dick is huge, because old chick is like, "Wow, holy shit, you're healthy!" And I was like, "Great, I definitely want to know that this old dude has a huge dick." Yeah, well, I imagine that pro- that prostitutes say that to everybody. I would imagine, you know, in that, especially in that situation, you know, for what's coming. Yeah, I imagine that, that well, she'd probably say anything. I mean, it'd be the same thing to me. I mean, if I'm paying somebody enough money. I mean, shit, they'd probably tell me that my dick is huge, and we definitely know that's not the case. That's true. Like, if I'm if I'm paying you fucking money, you better be telling me I have a big dick. Exactly. Like, you know, like, like what I was telling you the other day about that chick that I looked up that was like $5,000 for 12 hours. Yeah. Wait. Wait. I'm sorry. You need to edit that out? Oh, my God. That's staying. Holy shit. <laughs> We were doing no. research uh, for the movie to find out how much she would cost. Uh, yeah, that's what we were doing. No, no, but all bullshit aside, you know, like uh, you know, like shit you see on TV or whatever else. Them high dollar hookers, man. If I'm paying that kind of money, yeah, yeah. If you I'm paying tell me my shit, you better tell me my shit is hurting you and it's ripping. Yeah, if I'm paying you Charlie Sheen money, you better be pushing your stomach out when I go in to make me feel like my dick's sitting there. Okay. Yeah, when you're when you're going down on me, you better make me feel like that I'm pulling your teeth out. Yeah. <laughs> I better hear gagging noises or I swear to fucking god, I want a refund. Yeah, you better you earn that money and it'd be yeah. the same way the other way around. If it were me and somebody were paying me that much money, which we know that'll never happen, but if somebody were paying me that much money, oh yeah. Well, I'd tell, right tell the dude he had a big dick. I mean, it, it would cost a lot for me to give up the ass, but like to suck a dick? I think I'd suck a dick for, for, for like 500000 Easy. Dude, you suck a dick for five bucks. God damn it. I told Dave Z not to <laughs> fucking tell anyone, and he's got to run his fucking mouth constantly. He does have a big mouth. God. Di- Wait, what? <laughs> anyway, back on this Cronenberg shit, uh, her boobs just kind of start melting on him, and he starts getting sucked into her body. And I actually really, really liked that scene. I, I it really did cool. too. I thought like, because here's the thing. If you're going to have um, like gratuitous nudity, 
I still prefer it to have a fucking reason. And I know Kenneth is like, fuck that, just do do the whole movie naked. I don't understand yeah. why when I'm watching The Avengers, Scarlett Johansson is wearing clothes. It makes no sense to me. These are words Kenneth has said to me. Exactly. You know, this, I, I, I see that on just about anything. I mean, shit, you know. When they made Waiting, I don't understand why everybody had clothes on. I mean, it had been awesome to see Ryan Reynolds completely naked. I, oddly enough, agree. Right? That's a sexy man. That is a sexy man. I would have a threesome with him and his wife, like, in a second. Him and Blake Lively? Oh, yeah. I was just going to ask you who he's married to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Woo, son. I'd be, sign me to fuck up. Those are some very beautiful people there. I will fuck her while he fucks me. It'd be fantastic. Very beautiful people. Yeah. Anyway, uh... What were we saying? Oh, yeah, Taki and Maki then show up, and uh, they save them. And my art of courts uh, ends up spitting out a parasite as they're running away uh, to take them to the Psychic Research Center. But they get caught in uh, some time-space continuum. It's like it's like demon limbo, kind of like. Yeah, yeah, it's like a black world limbo brought upon this Earth. And uh, to where no matter how far they kept driving it would just keep repeating the same stretch of road basically um and giuseppe myart spits out this parasite that then turns into a giant tentacle stake which then starts um grabbing maki and deep throating her yeah then it gets to the shit that i like (laughs) when that deep throating started like it fucking deep throats her like not like what you see on the internet where you're like damn that bitch took it i mean it is Face fucking her, like down to her goddamn belly button. It is vicious. Yeah, you see her sternum swelling. Yeah, it's it's. It is and I know brutal. that it's not technically possible for a sternum to swell. That's exactly well, why I said she's, it. <laughs> she's a black world lady. We don't know what they actually look like because each version we see is either human or like human spider lady or later on we see the guy who basically turns into the rock version of the giver yeah but then there's that one uh there's that one scene where uh if i'm not mistaken i think it was the giuseppe he says he makes the comment that you know wondering about what she looks like Underneath. her real form looks like yeah. yeah and i think at one point jen says something to her about wearing that that bodysuit or something yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm, that kind of goes back to what you said earlier about what it would be like to see more of their world. I would like to see what these things look like, like really look like. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, she uses her the power of her titty to break the space-time continuum where they're trapped in somehow. And at the same time, this this blue beam of light comes down and strikes the, the tentacle snake raper. Um and we assumed at the time, we're assuming that maybe it was when she broke the space-time continuum, she used her titty power to bring down this blue electricity. Um, and Taki thinks Maki is dead, so he takes her to the center. And the radicals show up to attack, but they can't attack because apparently uh, they should have just taken him to the center in the first place because this place has been defending um, against radicals for fucking uh, centuries. Right. They have psychic barriers that are not to be fucked with. But Mr. Shadow is able to get a uh, a circle TV screen to just kind of float in there. And we get to see Maki getting gang raped. 
Uh, which, uh, you know, I mean, after the tentacle, uh, mouth fucking, I guess. I was actually kind of disappointed in that scene. What, the gang rape? Yeah. I, I liked it because they kind of kept it kind of artful. I liked. Fuck that. I, 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 I liked it a lot, actually. So with this gang rape scene, we have, uh, Mr. Shadow, who's the leader of the radicals, uh, basically, uh, saying, Taki, if you want her to live, you gotta come save her. You gotta come to me and save her. Um, and my art's like, uh, no, absolutely fucking not. You're not leaving here. You're to protect me. I'm the most important fucking person in the planet. In the planet. On the planet. Fuck y'all. Y'all know what I mean. Um, and he's like, Taki's like, well, I'm going. And so my art's like, I will fucking piss on you while listening to R. Kelly if you go. And Taki's like, fuck that shit, I'm out. And he goes. So he shows up where she's getting gang raped. And she is for sure getting it filled in all three holes. No fucking doubt about it. Yeah, it's um, awesome. Yeah. Um, and Mr. Shadow is with a chick who wears a red dress whose earring apparently gives off an aphrodisiac-like, uh, what would you call this? Like an aphrodisiac psychic wave, I guess? Uh, anyway, uh, her stomach pulls a full Cronenberg and becomes a vagina. Yeah, I mean, that that scene, I was just kind of like, how would you get so just in enthralled like, by a giant vagina? Yeah, like... Why are you sitting look, there going? Look like that chick. Look like that chick at the was it either the feminist or the anti-Trump rally? Yeah, like I'm over here, <laughs> literally just like you're fucking her with the wrong head, Taki. Exactly. <laughs> it reminds me of those pictures that you used to see back in the day. You remember those pictures that you saw? Where that bald dude had his head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that picture. I tried to forget that picture, but here that picture is showing up again. Kenneth, thank you. You're welcome. That's exactly what it reminds me of. It. It really does, but I do love this scene because Taki, before he confesses, because for some reason they want him to confess something, and it, it, and you're over here like, what? How to break the psychic barrier? You know where fucking my art is, so it's not like you want to need to know that. Um, but Taki blows her the fuck away, uh, and then he starts killing everybody, except for Mister Shadow, who has blades coming out of his fucking elbows. Um, which are like, I was just kind of like, you know, it would have been better to have those blades like come out of your wrist or your hand or something. Like, are you just dropping bows on people? Is that literally all you can do here? Well, aside from, uh, take the burnt remnants of the other guys that got shot and cover himself in them like a shell. Yeah, that was actually really fucking dope. Um, so he does that. Still got fucked though. Yeah, because he, yeah, he, he's, uh, Mr. Shadow did get, like, one hit in. He stabbed Taki in the stomach, but, uh, Lightning shows up and frees Maki. Once again, this Lightning shows up, and now you're like, uh, was that controlled by Maki or not? Uh, and Taki, uh, also frees himself and blows a fucking hole in Mr. Shadow's mouth. Which, if you're gonna aim for something, aim for the mouth. That's my, oh, yeah. that's my way. It's always good to blow in the mouth. Um, but yeah, it was, this seems very weird at first. Maki heals Taki and Taki's like, why do they want to know if we've had sex? Like this, like, are they just really perverted? 
Before I kill you, you, give me your sex history. Did you fuck her? You yeah. fucked her. I know you fucked her. Did yeah. you fuck her? Did you? Mrs. Did you Shadow's over here like, well, I fucked her first. I fucked her twice. Yeah. So Mr. Shadow is rebuilding himself. Spider Baby is back. Um, and <laughs> she says the results are what we expected and it's genetic. Uh, which she's talking about the semen that she got from Taki earlier. Um, and then Spider Baby is off to kill them. And um, Taki and Maki, they're throwing off the case. And My Art talks some shit on them and they leave. Taki's now uh, hanging out with Maki and Maki's in uh, this white dress. And um, Kenneth, how <laughs> do you feel, because I know you love this part, about long card rides with romantic music and looks i felt like that entire scene was just way too goddamn long and it was it it was just not needed i mean you know they could have had their little conversation that took about five seconds instead of this fucking scene taking taking like three to four minutes and if it's something that's terrible and the music is terrible three to four minutes is a long ass fucking time i agree i was sitting there like guys this is not a music video um, we're done. I get it. I get what you're trying to do, trying to show me that these two are have a feelings for each other and connected. And luckily, Giuseppe Maiar is in the back seat to save us all. But before he can really save us all, uh, they go into a tunnel that's filled with spider webs, and it's Spider Baby again, because that's what I call her now. Um, the tunnel's all webbed up, and uh, man, talk about a one night stand coming back to haunt you. I was thinking to myself, did you see where them webs came from? Yeah, they came from her vagina mouth. You think all those webs is all the jizz that she's taken in over the years? Maybe. Or better yet, when he was banging her, is that what he was actually feeling? He wasn't feeling like the insides of a vagina. He was feeling all those webs, all those gooey webs. It very well could be. Yeah. I wonder if that feels good. Maybe. This is when people are like, Anime is so fucking weird. Well, yeah, sometimes it gets a little fucking weird. But if you watch Cronenberg movies, do you really have room to talk? That's true. So, uh, Spider Baby, they all fight. Maki jumps uh, to save Taki from being stabbed by Spider Baby. Uh, But she ties them up. And now she is just fucking both of them up. She is just like Kute Kente slashing them whipping them it's fucking brutal but that same blue lightning comes down once again and fries the ever-loving shit out of her and i love that her legs like curved up like a spider yeah that was fucking great um and from there we go into this weird dream state where taki and maki are nude and they make love and they hope they get to stay in this dream state forever and the whole time I'm sitting there like, so did the dream state just kind of like fix her up from that gang rape she just had? Like, I guess. She got oh, deep-throated man. by a snake tentacle and then gang-banged and then Taki just jumped all up in that? Hey, man, maybe in Japan, you know, it's not as, uh, well, okay, not Kenneth, as mentally, <laughs> you know. Kenneth, a hot chick comes up to you. Uh, let's say, Kenneth, you save a chick who's getting gang-banged. Getting gang raped mm-hmm. by three, four dudes. Yeah. And she is just like, I'm so thankful you can fuck me right now. 
Are you going to fuck her? Or are you going to be like, nah, broad, let's uh, let's get you a shower or something first. Like, And keep in mind, she's super fucking hot. You're going to have to do a little better than just say super fucking hot. You're going to have to give me an example. Uh, okay, let's say your dream vision ideal woman. Uh, what's that porn star you like? Janine? Javine? Janine. Janine. Yes, Janine. Let's say it's Janine. Janine, you just saved Janine from getting gang raped. Uh, she, but she just got gang raped. But she's like, I'm so thankful you can fuck me any way you want, any hole you want. All on you, baby girl. I'd probably do it because there's really not a whole lot of difference between that and a bukkake. Fair enough. Okay. There we just go. Saying. Hey, but I and I also want to say this, like, um. Because, I don't know, this one always stood out for me on both sides. Because on his side, I, I'm sitting there like, uh, she just got banged by a bunch of dudes. On her side, I'm like, you just got fucking gang raped. You are not mentally, like, I don't think you're mentally sound to be making decisions of sweet, passionate love here. Like, this is, like, that gang rape was, like, maybe two hours ago? Maybe? No, well, see, that's the, that's what the comment that I was making a few minutes ago. Maybe, you know, getting gang raped just ain't as psychologically traumatizing as it is in America. Well, oh, fuck, yeah, I well in, in the, the er, in Earth world and compared to the black world, I guess. That too, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Mackie is, cr- is crying, uh, but black world people apparently can't cry. And then they wake up and they were in a church. So they were fucking in a church. And she says, maybe God brought them there. And my question immediately is, does Black World have their own god? Or are there Black World people that are, like, super into, like, a, a Jesus god or, like, a a Muhammad god? Like, that scene in general just made me really go, I can't have a Black World woman just talk about god without explaining which one. That That's a very valid point. Like, that was super confusing to me. Um, but maybe she was just being poetic. Because, like, uh, there's the argument that, like, if a sing, if a lyricist in a band uses uh, Christian imagery, that does not mean that he's a Christian. You know? Yeah. So it could just be the poetics of it. I'm not really... I am 100% not sure. Um, and... Uh, she says there's a present she starts feeling and Myart shows up and it turns out the enemy was actually in the statue behind them in the Virgin Mary statue bust out we've got uh, tentacles that are now attacking because it's Japan and tentacles and it's a national national pastime uh, so it turns out Myart is actually there to protect them this is the big twist in this in this thing okay here's the big twist my art was that blue lightning we kept seeing. My art was protecting them. But the reason it was so important that they did, thought that they were protecting him is because they had to develop a bond. They had to develop a relationship where love could actually happen. Uh, because apparently they are both a, a certain type of genetics that will allow for the interbreeding of humanity and the dark world. And that's that goes back to what when like Spider Baby was like, it's genetic. That's what she was talking about. It was a hundred percent they could do it. Um, tons of research has went into this, uh, and 
these two getting together, loving each other, and having a child is what the actual treaty is. Which is very, yes, very indeed. interesting. It was, a, it was a good twist. I did not see this twist happen at all. I was like, holy shit, that's actually really cool. I really dug that. Right. Uh, and then my art has a fight, and my art apparently is a badass with his psychic ability. Um, and so it's my art versus Mr. Shadow again. Um, and I like this whole Mr. Shadow actually sends out his shadow, and my art gets sucked up into it. Tentacles go into the shadow and start fucking up my art. Uh, Taki ends up shooting Mr. Shadow in the arm, but then he gets trapped in the shadow. Like, the fight scene here is really cool. Um, but, uh, it, it ends up ending. My art grabs onto his back like Chaozu did to Nappa and just tries to fucking blow him up with all this lightning. And he stabs a fucking cross into his face, which was pretty fucking sweet, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, Maki shows up all glowing, comes down floating like a ghost, because apparently she's transformed now that she's pregnant, and annihilates Mr. Shadow. And, uh... Turns him into glitter. Yeah, into fucking tw- uh, Twilight Vampire makeup. Uh, my art basically tells him this was all simulated to help him grow a spiritual connection and Taki asks he, he asks Taki if he loves her and Taki is like I could grow to love a woman of the black world and that's the end of the movie so with that being said uh Kenneth how do you feel about uh Wicked City would you want to see more of this is it worth watching what do, what do you think I enjoyed it I mean it's one of those that I watched uh when I was a teenager like early teenager and uh, I really enjoyed it then, and I really enjoy it now. I mean, even though it's it's a, to me, it's a pretty straightforward story. You know, you've got you've got these two worlds, and they've kind of done whatever they can to try to coexist. But you got assholes on one side of it that's trying to fuck that up, and then you got the badasses that are trying to take the 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 people that are trying to protect the person and then they turn out to be a bigger player in the whole thing and blah 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 just it, the story is pretty straightforward but the visuals are fucking awesome and so i really enjoyed it and i'd love to see more of you know more things be done with this mythology that they've got going on their specific mythology because like i said other other types of things have been done like this before but uh, or thereafter but you know, their specific mythology I'd like to see more of. I agree. Um, this is one of, the, one of the early animes I saw. Um, it was one of the darkest I had seen at the time. Um, and I loved it. It's a great action horror uh, anime. If you're into action, you're going to like it. If you're into, like, the whole government agent action thing, you're going to dig it. If you just want to see some dark, fucked up shit, you're going to dig it. If you just like anime titties and gore, You'll like it. Uh, if you want to see monsters, you'll fucking dig it. This is definitely one that I'd highly recommend. I give it a 4 out of 5. I really, really like this movie. If I want to just sit back and watch a popcorn horror anime, this is what I'm putting on. What do you uh, rate this out of uh, 1 through 5? Probably about the same. About a 4 out of 5. Yeah, okay. Super, super good. We highly recommend this. Um, and if you want to see more of stories from this guy, this the guy who wrote... The original story behind this also did Vampire Hunter D, which is also fantastic. But now we have to go from 
sit back popcorn film to turn on your brain. It's getting psychological. We are going in to Perfect Blue, which is a 1997 psychological thriller. Uh, directed by Satoshi Khan and um, written by Sadayuki Murai. And is based on the novel Perfect Blue Complete, Complete Metamorphosis written by Yoshikazu Takuchi. Takauchi. Takauchi. Yeah, there we go. Uh, and the novel is actually coming to America for the first time uh, in February 2018. Kenneth and I actually pre-ordered it this morning. Yep. Um, 20 years after the movie. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, because this movie did come out pretty early in America. Good. Japan's had the book forever. Anyway, um, so the director of the film, Satoshi Kon, he is actually known for doing these kind of uh, very uh, psychological movies. The the melding of the real world and like a dream world or an alternative reality or another world inside someone's head. He did one of my favorite anime series of all time called Paranoia Agent, which is trippy as shit. He, uh, he's done a couple other movies. In fact, I'll be watching one soon called um, Paprika. Reese says it's amazing. She wants me to watch it. He also did some other movies that are held very high, um, which is Millennium Actress and Tokyo Godfathers. Um, and But unfortunately, he is dead. He died a few years ago um, out of nowhere because he really didn't tell anyone he was dying. It just kind of fucking, he kind of kept it to himself because he didn't want people to know. So everyone just kind of one day woke up and was like, bam, he's dead. That sucks. Yeah. Um, so in this movie, we follow uh, Mima Kirigo. I don't know if I said that right. Who is a member of a Japanese pop idol group called Cham, who decides to retire from music to pursue an acting career. And, uh... She ends up uh, becoming a victim of stalking and descends in and descends into her first role. She starts to lose perception of like reality and fiction. Now, unlike Wicked City, we are not going to walk through this movie. Um, we, there's, there's there's too fucking much. Yes, we are just going to talk about some of the stuff we f- we we love in this movie and and how it works. And with that, I want to say uh, I want to say something first, uh, Kenneth. In our best of the 2000s, you picked a very controversial uh, movie for, was it 2000, 2001, that we had to decide. You and JP both picked this movie, and it was about drugs. Oh, Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, so how does Perfect Blue tie in with Requiem for a Dream? Do you know? I'd have to think about it for a minute. All right, all right, okay. Darren Aaron off sky Aaron off Aaron of sky how do you say his last name the guy who directed uh Requiem for a Dream fuck I don't know all right anyway the guy who directed Requiem for a Dream he bought the U.S. uh filming rights to Perfect Blue for $59,000 so that he could use the bath scene from it in Requiem for a Dream just that one scene where Mima's in the bathtub and her head's underwater and she just screams. Yeah. Yeah. 
that's in Requiem for a Dream, and he bought the rights for that film so that he could put it in Requiem for a Dream. That seems like kind of one of those things that's, because uh, I remember it in Requiem for a Dream now, but it seems like uh, seems like one of those things that'd be pretty, you know, that type of I, scene would be pretty, okay. I, don't, I don't see the point in spending 59 grand to do something like that. I, I think it was a respect thing. Because unlike uh, some people who uh, steal Japanese anime shit for their movies without, like, paying any respect or uh, paying anyone, uh, Matrix, um, I think he wanted <laughs> to show respect to them. Plus, I think at one point, he, I think he wanted to make a movie for Perfect Blue, and he kind of did. He made Black Swan, which is very, very, very fucking similar. Now that I will agree with you on. So I think uh, maybe this was his way. He was like, oh, well, I'm going to buy the filming rights for this because I'm going to use it for one scene. And maybe in the back of his head, he was like, that'll make it cheaper for me. And then later on, uh, before everyone finds out about Perfect Blue, I'll be able to do an American remake. That's what I think. I have no actual clue behind it. Um, But... I always thought that oh, was I think cool. it'd be cool. I think it'd be cool if it was done well. I think it'd be cool to do a live action version of this movie. Yeah, and I think I think he would be the person to do it. Honestly, like yeah, because because a lot of people gave Black Swan shit, but that was a good movie. I thought it was good. I, I just, thought it was it was good. my only I, problem watching is I just kept going. Okay, this is perfect blue. Well, see, the thing about Black Swan that I think people here didn't like is the fact that the trailer made it out to be something completely different. Yeah, yeah, and that that's a plaguing problem now in the horror industry. You know, the trailer made it out to be like I made made it out to be, I don't I don't personally think that the trailer made Black Swan look like a horror movie. And then when the and then when everybody went and saw it, they realized that Black Swan is a horror movie. Yeah. And they were like, "Oh my god, this sucks." And I'm like, and I when I saw it, I was like, "Man, this movie's great." Yeah, no, I thought it was really good. I just, the whole time, I was just like, well, it's perfect blue. It's kind of like when you watch something that uh, takes from something else. Kind of like if you're looking at, if you had seen Seven Samurai before you saw The Magnificent Seven. Like, you're you're the whole time just going to be like, yeah, it's Seven Samurai. It's a remake. It just changed the name and and changed the setting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'll have to go back and watch. I've, I've, I haven't watched Black Swan since it came out, so I'll have to. Uh, I have to go back and watch it again. And the same thing with those two. By the way, I watched The Hateful Eight. That was pretty good. I haven't seen that yet. I need yeah. to. Um. So, okay. So basically, as uh, mommy, mammy, mammy. What's her fucking name? Uh, Mima. Uh. So Mima's gonna transition. From being a pop idol. Now, in Japan, pop idols are fucking huge. And unlike in Japan, or unlike in America, where our pop singers are usually idolized by women, in Japan, pop idols are actually very big for guys. The the nerds over there get really, really into it. And you see that a lot in this movie. There's this three set of nerds who are always going around and talking about uh, Mima and what she's doing. And every time they talk about her, there's another guy around who's the stalker in the movie who's always overhearing them. 
And see, that's one of the things that I really, really dig about this movie is because you get to see the descent into madness of three different characters. Um, tech. Well, is it, well, no, two characters and one character you just find out is fucking mad at the end. No, because if you really, really well, no, it. you because after uh, the okay, so what we're talking about? Um, okay, here's the end. This is the big end. This is a spoiler. For everyone who hasn't seen the movie. Throughout the movie, you be- there is a website called... Uh, uh, fuck, I keep wanting to call her Mommy. It's not fucking Mommy, Jerry. Jesus Christ. Mima's Room is a website where, uh, quote-unquote, Mima uh, writes blog entries to all of her fans. Throughout the movie, it's actually set up to where you think this guy, the stalker, is the one writing all of them. And he's writing it to himself. And then it turns out at the end of the movie, it's not fucking him. It's her. It's one of her fucking agents. Um, it's uh, what's her fucking name? Uh, uh, Rumi. It's Rumi. She's the one that's that's actually writing the website and writing towards the stalker and getting him to do this shit. And it turns out Rumi thinks that she is the pop idol version of Mima that Mima has now left behind. Yeah, because she wanted to become an actress. And there's only two things in this movie that reveal that to you. And now, okay, so, and, and Kenneth and I have talked about this, mostly about Sons of Anarchy, but if you're going to do a reveal, you need to have something for me to look back and go, oh shit, it was right there in front of me. Or some kind of small clues. And to me, there are only two clues. And they're both extremely subtle. And after I tell him, Kenneth, maybe maybe you saw a different clue. The first is her eye, is Rumi's eyes. Rumi has the same far apart eyes that the stalker has, mm-hmm. which to me is is him showing a like sign of mental illness, because um, a lot of times mental illness can be completely in- invisible. And for this, they were it was almost like them like giving us a physical attribute to mental illness. Mm-hmm. And how, and it's showing that their eyes are far apart because they don't see the world like we see the world. And I thought, I think that's fantastic. And the other one is, is probably the first scene that Kenneth was referring to where we see, where you would see the, uh, a psychological breakdown uh, happening more than just what I thought when I watched the movie for the first time. I thought Rumi was just very protective of Mima. But there is a scene that uh, Mima has to film where she is getting gang raped for this TV show. And Rumi starts crying, gets up, and fucking leaves. You watch TV in Japan. Dude, Japan... Okay, okay. The, sh- the, the show that uh, Mima is filming is called... What was it called? Uh, Double Bind? Yeah, Double Bind. Um, and it's a crime horror thriller. Japan's very big on crime horror. Uh, Takashi Miike, what up? Um, and it's basically about the same thing that's actually happening in this movie. A woman who is actually played by Mima cannot is slowly going insane and can't tell the difference between reality and her imagination, her dreams, whatever you want to call it. And she thinks that she's a model, and and much like how Mima is now can't tell the difference between the, her world as an actress and this idol version of herself that keeps 
popping up as she has delusions of it. And she keeps going in and out of reality and in and out of of the exact same shit that's happening on the show. It's really hard to explain. Can you explain it better than me, Kenneth? It, it, the sh- it works together really well because what's happening in real time is actually happening in in the show itself, just with little differences. You know, the show that she is filming is actually what's happening in her life, and I think that that is the reason why she her descent into madness started because she couldn't tell because everything was so similar between the TV show that she was filming and her real life. Yeah, you know. There were so many things that were so similar that she was getting to the point where she couldn't distinguish between reality yeah. and when what she, and her career. She couldn't tell the difference between the two of them. And then looming in the background is her 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 ma- guilt her, manifested about right, her, her leaving guilt. her pop out of life. Exactly. You know, because it, because I honestly don't believe this girl ever wanted to be an actress. But for some reason, you know, what's uh, for some reason her agent or whatever that guy was convinced her into doing it. Do and you think you got, so? I think she wanted I think she wanted to be an actress until she realized what she would have to do and how. And because Cham started getting bigger when she left. And I think there's a lot of like it's being b- brave enough to make a choice so far along in a career and then having guilt about leaving those fans behind and then being scared of what you have to do to become that. And I do think her, her man, one of her agents pressured her more into it, but I do think she wanted to become an actress. Maybe I don't, personally, I don't, I, I don't think that in the, I think that in the foreground, going to being an actress was the right thing to do because it would have probably boosted her career. But in the background, you know, deep down inside, she didn't want to leave the pop thing. I don't think she really did deep down. I just think that, you know, there's always, there's always that conflicting thing inside of you where you've got an opportunity in front and then you've got your security in back and what you really enjoy doing. I mean, I've done that. I've made the same moves in, in, in my career and made choices you know, like like going out of the motorcycle industry, you know, to do what's better for me. I, I, in the background, looming in the background, I still to this day regret leaving the motorcycle industry because of so much time and effort that I put into it, going to school and everything like that. But in the foreground, I realized that what I'm doing right now is so much less stressful and I make more money. Yeah, and in having to make those kind of decisions. And in this movie, uh, as the, the TV show plot progresses... Um, you her fucking mental stability snowballs out of control, right. and you've and got these great scenes of where they're filming, and it cuts to her waking up, and you're sitting there trying to figure out where where reality is and what's not reality as um people start actually dying in life. Uh, her the the screenwriter who wrote in that she's going to get gang raped, dies. Or the the uh, professional photographer who got her to take nude photos for him, dies. These people that are pushing her into a... Uh, a, a uh, what's the word? Pushing her into doing more obscene things to further her career. And even the agent justifying it. Oh, everyone has to do this. Everyone has to do this. And then, of course, the agent... The male agent dies. So yeah. everyone who does that to her ends up dying. 
And the crazy thing is, is the as as her real life is snowballing into this descent of the cross between delusion and the crazy shit that's happening in reality, you realize that she has more more speaking parts, and 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 her her part in this show is getting more and more active as she goes along. Like at the beginning of it, when everything was just starting the show, she just had one line. Yeah, excuse me, and, who are you? What? That's the line she asked. Excuse me, who are you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and so you know, and then and then it progresses further as she's getting more loopy. She's getting further and further into the show where she's got more speaking parts. She's having to do more things. Uh, that one scene where she's sitting in the chair, looking, I guess, through the window or the two-way mirror or whatever it is, you know, looking through that area and things like that. I mean, it's just the crazier her life gets, the more she's got to do in the show. And I think that that perfectly coincides. Yeah. And that scene in particular that you just brought up has two versions of it. It has her saying, you know, her lines as if it was all real. I'm Mima. I'm a, uh, an actress. I'm a pop idol. And then her, as the character, the character saying, I'm character's name and I used to be a model. And then big right. jump cut uh, to waking up. Yeah, which I thought was really cool. So at this at this point in time, as you're watching the movie, you're actually starting to get confused, like she is, because you, as a as as a, as the audience, is starting to wonder what's real and what isn't. Yeah, like what's really going on and what and what is she just imagining? And I thought that was a really good a really good way to twist it around. And folks, remember, we're talking about an anime. Yeah. We are talking about, uh, um, and here's the thing with a lot of these psychological movies, they sometimes, uh, get themselves over too, too deep. They're over their head and the ending of it doesn't really make sense. There's a lot of shit left out on the table and you really don't fully know what the fuck's going on. And halfway through this movie, you start getting really confused as to what's real, what the fuck's happening. And you start thinking, oh, this is going to be like all those other psychological movies that do the exact same thing. No, when this movie ends... It explains everything to you. You know what's going on. You get to look back and go, oh, so this scene was in real the real world. This scene was in her head. Like, you get to place all of that, those pins in the, in the map. You get to figure out fucking everything. You know where every road leads. And that's something I give this movie credit for because a lot of these movies, whether it's psychologicals or if you jump into the, the giallo scene, where you have tons of movies where they, at the end of the movie, when they reveal who the killer is, you're like, that doesn't even fucking make sense. At the end of this movie, everything makes sense. Well, I, yeah, and I, and I can really, I can really appreciate that. I mean, because you know you're going through this spiral of wondering what the fuck's going on, and then all of a sudden it's like it comes to a halt, and everything's just like, bam, this is what was going on. Here it is. Yeah, when they explain everything to you, you're like. Oh, okay, so this and... Oh, my God, I get it. And that's one of my favorite things about this movie is because up until they give you the answer, you're confused. You're not calling this movie. I'm sorry. Like, if you didn't watch this movie before you listened to us, you fucked up because you know what happens. And it's still a really good movie, but you will not call the ending to this movie. You will not. It just it comes out of nowhere... But there are little subtle hints, so when you go back and watch it, you're like, oh, that and that. Because when I watched it uh, this time for the review, um, I was confused because it had been a good couple of years since I watched it. And then I remembered 
who the killer was. And I was like, oh, yeah. Because towards the end of the movie, after uh, the stalker and uh, Mima get into it on the same stage where her gang rape scene was, she hits him in the fucking head with a hammer to escape as he tries to rape her. And we get to hear him talk for the first time because this entire movie, the stalker's been silent. And then he starts talking, and you're like, oh, my God, he's such a fucking nerd. (laughs) Right. And I think the next, I think, I, I think when I said earlier that you watch three characters descent into madness, I meant that for all three of them, because you can see the effect that you don't know that, uh, what's her name? What's the girl's name? The girl that ends up becoming the Rumi. The, Rumi. Okay. You don't see Rumi becoming what we find out that she is, but you definitely see the toll that watching this shit, you know, and even if you think it's just because she's overprotective, you're still watching her descend down this road of all this crazy shit that she's having to deal with by watching, you know, her her friend and we later find out her obsession go through. And so I, I honestly believe that you're watching three different people's descent into madness in this. Yeah, I guess I guess with roomies, it's just it's not as predominant you, as yeah, the other two. And you don't realize it till the end. Right. It's not as predominant as the other two, but the madness is there. Yeah. And then at the end of it, we get to find out how fucking thick her madness really was. Yeah, because she also, goes, because in the yeah. car ride after she finds uh, Mima after the, the nerd attacked her, she puts Mima in the car and she's like, we're going to go to Mima's room. And at first it doesn't click in your head. You're like, oh, she's going to take her home. No, she takes her to Mima's room. She had, Rumi has made a room that looks exactly like Mima's room that we saw in the very beginning of the movie. It's not the same room. It's a completely different fucking room. And you're like, and when Mima wakes up and she starts realizing that, you're like, oh, shit. And then it jump cuts to uh, the male agent being dead and the stalker being dead. And you realize, oh, shit, Rumi killed her. Oh, shit, Rumi's the one that killed the... uh, uh, Rumi's the one that killed the photographer... And put the bloody clothes in Mima's closet to fuck mm-hmm. with her. Yeah, and see, I went back and, and like, you know how I always watch whatever. Well, I was watching uh, Perfect Blue again just a few minutes ago. It's finished now. But I was watching it again just a few minutes ago. And I realized little things about her room. Like the big poster of uh, Cham that was on the wall. Yep. At the beginning of the movie, she rolls up the poster and takes it off the wall after she quits the, after she quits the group. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed those, I started noticing those little things. And then when I, it's been so long since I had watched Perfect Blue that I couldn't remember who the killer was. Yeah. And so when I watched it and it got to that point and she said, we're going to Nima's room the whole time that that scene from when she says that to when she actually gets there, I was thinking about it. I was like, what's the, what the, what the fuck is going on here? What the, what, what do they mean going to Nima's room? Yeah. Cause and, why and, would she not just say we're going, I'm, I'm going to take you home. Right, and and the whole time, and I'm like, and then right before the reveal, my my memory clicked, and I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I remember now. Yeah, and it's such a good reveal. Uh, Mima's looking around the room, seeing that all this shit, and she's like, wait, but my fish are dead, and I took that poster down, and my room's and my room is a fucking mess because I've been going out of my mind and working a lot. This isn't my room. And then Rumi steps out and she's dressed in a red dress that uh, Mima would have wore on stage. 
And it's great because you get to see... It cuts between seeing Rumi in the dress and seeing the idol version of, of Mima uh, as Mima has seen her throughout this entire movie. She's seen that pop idol ghost version following her. Yeah, I really, really like that too. Like the hearing the dual voices and seeing their reflections. Yeah, you know the pop idol version and the and the actual you know Rumi, the actual Rumi. And then my favorite out of all of it is when they're they're doing this whole you know being chased, and where where Nima's being chased by Rumi, and then you see the pop idol version like ghost like just kind of hopping along like Pepe Le Pew and fucking Looney Tunes. Yes, <laughs> and you see her just popping along, and then. You see the reflection of her, which is the reality in the uh, in the windows of the buildings, and she fucking hauling ass and sweating, just chasing the shit out of fucking Nima. I thought that was great. I was like, that is an amazing, amazing version of that. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, I fucking loved it. I I absolutely love this movie. I think it's a it's it's definitely in my top five psychological films of all time. Um, I love the reveal. I, I love the Descent into Madness because I don't think it goes overboard. Um, I like the pressure of a stalker making it worse on her. I like the pressure of her like telling... Because the only person she really confides in that she doesn't understand what's going on is Rumi. And Rumi just kind of keeps pushing it. There's that scene where uh, Rumi comes over for the first time in a long time. And then the next scene is her doing it again. And in uh, Mima's mind, it's it's just... The same day, and Rumi's like, uh, no, it's not. I was here yesterday, also. And you're just like, oh, shit, that's fucking... Holy shit, like, it's just so well done. The movie is, is the way it's stacked is done so well. The editing's done so well. That in-chase scene is done so well. The end scene where you get to see uh, Mima going to a uh, mental hospital to bring Rumi flowers. You get to see Rumi looking into a mirror... And Rumi still sees herself as Mima. And then as Mima's leaving, you have two nurses going, Oh my God, that looks like Mima. Oh no, I'm sure it's just a lookalike. And as Mima gets in the car, she looks at her rearview mirror and she goes, I'm Mima, the real me. And saying that she's she's good now. She's a famous actress now. She beat this whole psychological escapade. Um, even so much so that she can st- even come see her friend who thinks that she's still her friend who st- still thinks she's fucking Mima. Right. That we see because, uh, you know, the, uh, the second book is supposed to come out like six months after we get an American version of the first one. Oh shit. I'll read that too. Yeah, me too. Because that's supposed to be like the first one to come out is supposed to be perfect blue, full metamorphosis, and then there's a second one that's supposed to come out. Originally, they were supposed to come out November of 2016, and uh, I'm sorry, November of 2017, and April of uh, 2018. And now we've got February of 2018 for the first one. So I imagine it's probably it would probably come out in like June or July. Maybe, because, I mean, the first one, the first book's been out forever in Japan, obviously. Um, right. So this is well, the American... we get the translated movie. version. Yeah. yeah, and I can't wait to check it out, because I, I want to I dig deeper into this. I want to see how well it works in the book form, and how much deeper we can get into it. Um, so, I, I love this movie. I, I personally give this movie a 5 out of 5. I think it's one of the, the, the greatest movies ever made. I would put this... 
um, in my like top five anime of all time. Uh, I'll, like if I even if it was just anime movies, it would probably be my second favorite anime movie ever made, right behind Akira. And Akira maybe edges it out because I have more nostalgia for Akira. But I I I fucking love Perfect Blue. Yeah, it was really good. I, I mean, I, I I definitely enjoyed watching it. It really had a good story to it. And even though, you know, it doesn't have my key features that I need in an anime, it was still really good. Yeah, this is the anime I love to show people who are not into anime, but they're into horror. This is the one I show people that I'm like, hey, you need to check this out. It's actually really good. And I did, and I, I've been doing this, I did an experiment. So, um, both Exploding Heads and 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcasts that are on the Horrorphilia Network have Patreons. Um, and each have a tier that if you, you, you do that tier, you get to rec- you get to tell them to review a movie. And they'll do a mini review on that movie for uh, for 22 Shots is WWW, what we've been watching. And for Exploding Heads, it's the Triple R's, the Round Robin reviews. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do an experiment. And I said, I knew me, you, and Jay were going to cover this. It turns out it was just me and you, but still. And I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to give Perfect Blue to one from each of these two podcasts for them to review so we can compare how it goes. Now, Moods ha- has never seen it and had doesn't even watch anime. And he fucking loved it. He thought it was great. And he's not into anime. He stays away from anime. And I think that's an, attest- that's an attestment to how good Perfect Blue is. Uh, I also gave it to Brandon on Exploding Heads, but his review has not come out yet. So, but I know he does watch anime, so I'll be interested to see uh, how he feels when he comes out. But I think he's going to love it also. Uh, but I'm. But the point is, if Moods, Brandon, Kenneth, and I—if you hear these reviews and you still don't want to watch Perfect Blue, then you're doing yourself a disservice. I agree. Because like we said earlier when we were talking about it, not all anime is the shit that's publicized on TV. You know, it's it's not shit like fucking that's on Adult Swim and things like that. There are some of them out there that are really, really, really good. And they can be, if they were redone shot for shot live action, Americans would think it's some of the greatest psychological movies that are ever made. Yes. And, and so, you know, I don't, anybody that's listening to this, don't when you when you come across anime, don't be discouraged just because it's animated. Because just because just because it's animated doesn't mean that it's not good. A hundred percent. I think it is one of those things that's like uh, when you see a movie that has a title that just sounds stupid, you're not going to watch it. Or if it has a really terrible cover, you're not going to watch it. Sometimes you're completely right, but then other times you're you're hurting yourself. And you, but if you wait and listen and someone goes, oh yeah, despite the cover, it was actually really good, then go check it out. And if you've done right. that with anime, well, this is us telling you, go check it out. And, and the thing about it is, is there are fucking literally thousands to choose from. Yes. Thousands. I mean, you know, it's just the thing about it is, it's just finding those out there. Me personally, I stay away from the really, really long series you know what I'm saying? That's not really my thing. I mean, unless somebody gives me a, unless somebody's just like, you know, this is really good. You need to check it out. You know, like I've never watched Berserk before. And, you know, you've told me that I need to check it out. So eventually I will check it out. You know, 
Yeah. But there are, but you know, and some of them, I'm not going to lie. Some of those series that comes out, man, are really, in my opinion, are really, really stupid. You oh, know? Yeah. Reese watches some shit that I'm just like, I would never sit through this. But then some of them are, are fucking crazy. Um, I just got her one called Serial Experiments Lane, which is like, uh, you know me, I'm really into internet horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is like a psychological, like, uh, internet horror and I've only seen like a little bit of it so I don't fully know but it's like this this girl who's not little but she's not like a full blown teenager she might be like 15 or something like gets into this underworld of like a, a computer scene and it gets crazy um, and then you've also got shit like Elfin Lied which uh, is about this like chick who apparently has like these invisible arms that will like, come out and just slice you to goddamn pieces. That movie, that series has nudity and violence for you, Ken. It's more violence than nudity, but there is nudity. Um, is there tentacle rape? No tentacle rape, uh, but there is, like, Tragic. people just getting fucking murdered. It's That was a fantastic series. Um, so, I mean, there, there's tons of shit for you to get into. And it's just a matter of, of giving it a chance. And I hope... One of these movies, whether you want just a cool action horror with some tentacle shit, go check out Wicked City. If you want a deep, psychological, fulfilling movie, check out Perfect Blue. Both of them are great recommendations, and I re- and I, I put them up in the thing. They're both on YouTube. You can check them out, so please do. Um, do you have anything else to say about Perfect Blue? I feel like I could talk about Perfect Blue for hours, but... No. No, I mean, I've pretty much said the majority of the main, we both pretty much said the majority of the main key topics, and the only thing that's left is for people out there that have never seen it to go watch it, because you're, if you don't watch, if you like psychological shit and you don't watch it, you're missing out. Yeah. That's all. You're missing out. 100% agree. So, uh, I guess with that, we'll be getting out of here. Um, Check us out on Facebook. Check us, we've got a group page, you can come in and talk with us, we're always doing something cool in there. We have um, a YouTube channel where we put videos up. We have a Patreon if you want to kind of pick some of the stuff that we're going to be doing. We have, what else do we have? We have other things, right? We have um, T-shirts. We do. We have T-shirts if you want to get into the horror pack. We have a link for that. Um, We have a new T-shirt design that will be coming very soon. And we have, there was something I was going to bring up. And I do not remember what the fuck it was, so I guess it's not that important. Um, so I'm ch- starting to feel like we're, we're we're those guys when you're checking out a GameStop. Yeah, well, I, we put it at the end of end of the show, so at least like they can just turn it off by this point. They can just be like, "Fuck these dudes!" Click. Mm. Um, yeah. So yeah, check out all that shit. Links, as always, are in the description. Uh, we will see you next time for Kill the Cast. And our message here is uh, don't be afraid of anime. There is some good shit in there. Yep, and our final message is uh, fuck these dudes. Yeah, fuck these dudes. Wait, which specific dudes? <laughs>